little thing called murder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Little Thing Called Murder. I'm Megan. And I am Jaden. So good to meet you, if you're new. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait, what? But yeah, (laughs) welcome, if you are new. We love having you. For those of you who aren't following our Instagram, um, we posted a few days ago, I think, that we are doing a new upload schedule we're trying to post every Tuesday now just because life happens and then it gets hard and then Monday rolls around and it's like we're stressing to the last second because we're both pro procrastinators yes pro procrastinators (laughs) that should be the title of our podcast seriously procrastinators and murderers perfect (laughs) (laughs) love it so it is currently 92 degrees outside, so we both have fans on, and um, we did a little test, and you can hear kind of like the white noise in the background, so our apologies, but we're not going to be sitting here sweating our asses off Yeah, you no. guys to have totally silent audio, even though it's not really top-notch audio anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we thank you in advance for bearing with us, because... Yeah. We would melt. Yes. And we're both not super tech savvy, so we're (laughs) still figuring out this whole audio shit. Because Jaden had to leave. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All good. All right. Any news for this week or this past Um, week, I guess? Yes. Two things. One, I already told you, but I want to tell everyone else. Y'all need to go out right now and buy yourself a bag of Mexican <laughs> Mexican street corn Cheetos. Holy fuck, they're life changing. Are they to die for? They're literally, literally <laughs> to die for. Never tried them. I'm, I'm I guess I'm gonna have to. Yeah, like, oh my god, so good, so good. <laughs> also, okay. So we are recording today on June 28th, which is. Shout out to my brother, his 17th birthday. Happy birthday, Landon. My little baby. (laughs) So he was up um, with me and Tyler this weekend. He stayed here. So June 27th, which was Sunday, we were out and about just driving around, finding parks. I don't know why we thought that was a good idea because it was miserable because it was so hot and humid. Yeah. But so we stumbled upon this one. There's like a big body of water and we're like hey, let's, let's pull over and get out. So we're walking, and we're like, this is fucking beautiful. You sent me a picture, and I was like, where are you? Right? But, okay, ready for this? Oh, God. So we're walking, and I'm like, huh, it'd be really funny if this was Canoe Creek. And so Tyler looked it up, and he was like, yeah, this is Canoe Creek. What is it? And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so remember how I was telling you guys how I, like, read the testimony as the medical examiner for that one big murder case we retried. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's where she died. That's where (gasps) she was murdered. On June 27th. Ew, I just got goosebumps. Yeah. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. So I'm walking around and I'm like, oh, good. And it was brutal. Was it like a year after she died or when did she die? June 27th, 2004. Oh, okay. So which this is, is a while ago. Yeah, which is literally like the day before my brother was born. And because he's June 28th, 2004. 
and oh my god but so we're sitting there and i'm like oh my god it was on this date too like it was on june 27th and that's when we stumbled upon canoe creek i was like what the fuck universe why that's so weird and well, i'm not one like i don't believe in coincidences mm-hmm. um at all mm-hmm. but it's like how what why yeah. Because I was like, I don't know if I could ever go to Canoe Creek. Like, I've never been there before. Because I was like, I'll only think about this brutal thing that happened. And But, like, it's beautiful. I mean, I'll definitely go back because it's so beautiful. But I was kind of like, so you know how we've talked about in the past how if something happened to our family, like, we, I would want to know because then it's like, they're not alone. Yeah. That's what I kind of felt. I was like, I'm here on the day. And it's like, I'm here with her. That was that was kind of what I was thinking. So I was kind of okay being there, which I was super surprised about. Maybe wait, hold on. This mm-hmm. is like I don't even know labeling Megan spiritual Megan over here. <laughs> what if like that? Like because you know how you were saying that you could never go there. Yeah, and she was just like, no, it's okay. And then happened to bring you on that day and was like, see. Ew. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> oh my god! Because that was a big. That was like your first major case. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah. Ew, uh, I've got goosebumps. <laughs> and the crazy thing was that there were a bunch of like emergency personnel there, mm-hmm. and like a lot, like a fuck ton, not just like one or two. There was a lot, and we were like, "What is that?" And Tyler and Landon kind of joked, and they were like. Oh, it's just another another murder. They're just like keeping it consistent. On the oh street. my god! But someone I found out today because I was at work and I was like, "Hey," I was telling them the story, and I was like, "I like there were a bunch of emergency personnel. Do you know what happened? Someone drowned." Holy wait! Like they died? Yeah. <gasps> ew! 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 I don't like the story anymore. <laughs> I know, and I was like. I'm just going to go melt into the ground now because I don't like this. Dude, I literally just had a really nice moment with you. And then you had to be like, someone (laughs) drowned and died. Oh, my God. (laughs) But we were also there with them as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Your life. (laughs) Crazy. Right? But it's such a great story. So I'm like. Yeah. But yeah, if you ever come up. We're going because it's beautiful. Oh my god, yeah. If I ever come up, come on. <laughs> but all right, so we're gonna get straight into this case because Homegirl's got 42 pages of notes. Mm. So it's gonna be a long one. Strap your seatbelts. We're here. Hold in tight. All <laughs> arms, legs, head inside the vehicle at all times. <laughs> All right, I hate myself. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So, my um, sources for this case is I got a lot of, I'm not going to say his name. Well, I say his name literally in the beginning of this, like, first sentence. Okay. But you, I, I know you know this case. So, I got. Now I, like, the, feel the pressure. I got, no, you, there's no way you don't. But. You telling your story last week made me think of this case. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Okay. So criminalminds.fandom.com. And so 
doing my research. I was like, I know I listened to a podcast on this case. So it's Morbid, a true crime podcast, episodes 114 and 116. Like, this is so long that they split it up into two parts, all right? And they went so in detail in things that I couldn't find. And um, it was Elena. I can't pronounce her last name. She's not. She's probably not listening. But Elena, sorry. And thank you. (laughs) There are all these different books that the victims have written. And I didn't have time to read them. But Elena did. So 98% of the stuff came from that podcast I'm gonna say that straight up like (laughs) it's a long one so I was like "Uh, you know it's it's okay right (laughs) all right so Ariel Castro you know him yes I do yep (laughs) was born in Dewey Dewey Mm -hmm. village in uh Puerto Rico on July 10th of 1960 which him being born on that year made things super easy for me to kind of gauge how old he was. Mm, yes. <laughs> so um, he was the third child of Pedro Castro, the biggest land owner in the local area, um, and his wife, Lillian Rodriguez. So in 1962, Lillian discovered that her husband was married to a second woman, Um, with whom he had four other children with. What a fuck. Um, I know. And he then abandoned her to live with this second family. So shortly after, Lillian moved to work in Pennsylvania. Like, so random. Yeah. um, And left her four children in Puerto Rico, where they were cared for by their maternal grandmother, Ursula Carabello. Um. Why would you ever voluntarily come to Pennsylvania? That's my question. (laughs) Why not go on over to Colorado? (laughs) But when Ariel was five, he was repeatedly sexually assaulted by a nine-year-old boy nicknamed Pucho. Oh, my. Your stutter? (laughs) Well, not not stutter, but... Poo-poo-cho. I was about to say Puncho, but there was no end, so then I stuttered. <laughs> I love that. But, like, Aww. take it back. Ariel was five, being sexually assaulted oh. by a nine-year-old boy. No. When I was nine, I thought, like, you had a baby holding hands or some <laughs> shit. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. Ariel never reported the abuse, and he was fucking five. I know, right? Like, Like, what? A five-year-old wouldn't know. I mean, unless, like, they go back and then tell. Yeah. Like, oh, so-and-so touched me. Like, I don't know. But. I feel um, like, I only said that because I feel like it was kind of faulting him. Like, he's fucking five. Right. And I know he's probably the bad guy, so I, I don't want to feel too bad for him. But Probably the bad guy. I thought you knew this case. Well, no, I just, just you just never know. You okay. Know? okay, okay. No, I get you there, because then I'm like, oh, I know this case. Then I'm like, wait, I don't know this case. Yeah, right. And then I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, I know yeah. this case. Like, I know it, but I don't really know it, you know? Right, I think. exactly. So, um, he developed an obsession 
with sex and compulsion to masturbate from a young age. Oh, oh also, um, I already told my parents this. This is a totally, like, separate disclaimer, but uh-huh. mom and dad, I know you're listening and you need to turn this episode off. <laughs> I already told them that they're not allowed to listen to this episode because I don't want them hearing what I'm going to say. Oh, God. So, all right, mom and dad, I'm giving you two seconds to turn it off. <laughs> all right, let's go. It's like, wait, it's like on TikTok where it's like, if you're not a girl, end. Like, keep scrolling. And they're like, okay, now that we're all here. <laughs> or I love the one where, like, the girls are like, all right, ladies, let's talk about our period. And then it's like, all right, now that all the men are gone. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so after that short disclaimer, and this episode is full of disclaimers, so I will let everyone know ahead of time before really anything bad. Because I had to research this in chunks. Like, it got to be too much where I had to step away. So, yes, I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) So, four years after leaving... Lillian returned to her children in 1966. So according to Ariel, um, she was abusive and would insult him, hit him daily with a belt, stick, or an open hand. Wow, um, thanks, Mom, for coming back, making my life so great. Thank I you. Know. And I mean, right now, you can feel bad for baby Ariel. Yeah. You will not, because he is not fucking human. Okay. He Maybe. is not a human being. Like, I, I, I've heard the name, but I don't, I don't know if I know it, actually. You're going to know. Trust okay. me, you're going to know. Okay. So, um, Ariel's family then immigrated to the United States and settled in Cleveland in 1970. Following a visit from his paternal uncle, Sezi, who had opened a record shop there in 1969. Who Sezi, Sorry. Who no, these people decide where to live. Pennsylvania and Ohio? Right? Come on. <laughs> so, Sezi gave Ariel a guitar, and he later became a professional bass player. Bass. Ooh. Not bass. Bass player. <laughs> I'm going to say that over again. Okay. <laughs> I want you to leave it in, but you can get it out. <laughs> I'll leave it in. I hate myself. I'm already, I'm not even three pages in. It's fine. Okay. So (laughs) Ariel became a professional bass player. Bass? No, I said it again. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so in my head now. Okay. You have to leave it all in. (laughs) But anyway, so Ariel later became a bass player, um, a career that he combined with several different jobs. So, in 1980, given the fact that he was born in 1960, which, side note, makes him around 20, he dated his 17-year-old Puerto Rican neighbor, Nilda Figueroa. Uh-huh. We'll just say Nilda. Okay. I... I even looked up the pronunciation a couple days ago. (laughs) It's fine. Anyway. It's a thought that counts. Yeah, I tried. A for effort. Mm -hmm. So, um, and he was forced to take her into his care by her family after she lost her virginity to him. Which, he's 20, she's 17. Like, I don't know. It just gives me a weird feeling because, like, 
being that young yeah from where I was at 17 to where I was 20 like yeah I feel like like high school age each year is just a totally different yeah like chapter in your life I guess so um after this Ariel's behavior did a total 180 Um, He became controlling and abusive. He would force her to stay at home and pick the places that she could shop, um, even the programs that she could watch on TV. And then, I know, he would beat her whenever she didn't follow his instructions. And like I said, like, feel bad for baby Ariel. But, like, what happened in his childhood and what ends up, I mean, what ends up happening is, like, worst case scenario but like you can it makes sense you know what I mean like people like that don't typically are raised in loving households yeah so um the violence escalated so much over time that Ariel broke Nilda's bones um and only allowed her to go to the hospital after she swore that she wouldn't report him to the police I know on the bright side at least he let her go to the hospital but that wasn't even like all the time like i don't it mm. you know what i was just trying to make myself feel better about that (laughs) (laughs) honey you're not gonna be feeling better you're not so in 1989 he beat her in the presence of his brother and he was arrested but thank god right but he was released after she refused to press charges. And I mean, like, I get it. She's yeah. terrified of him. Yeah. So in 1992, they moved to 2207 Seymour Drive with their four children. Um, after arriving, Ariel padlocked every door in the house and started working in the basement where he installed a heavy trap door and added curtains and layers of bricks to sort of soundproof it. So once he finished, he forbade everyone else from entering the basement. Like no one was allowed to go downstairs. Later, he uh, tinted all the windows and also refused to let Nilda use the phone, like period. And then he would lock his family in the house while he was going away, like, doing gigs for his band, which could last up to, like, four days. So, Nilda became pregnant a fifth time. Apparently, Ariel didn't want to have more children, so he unsuccessfully, might I add, tried to induce a miscarriage by punching and kicking her in the stomach. No! Right? So, in October 1993, Ariel threw Nilda down a flight of stairs, and she broke her skull. A few weeks later, she began having seizures and was diagnosed with a blood clot in her brain that had hardened into a malignant tumor. So, on December 26th, Ariel came home drunk and attacked Nilda again. His 12-year-old son, Ariel Jr., ran out to get help, and Ariel ran after him, which was a moment that Nilda used to lock him outside and call the police. Oh, good. I know. The officers found him pounding on the front door and arrested him after he tried to run. Yeah. 
Nilda was uh, called to testify before a grand jury in February of 1994, but Ariel, having having been released on a $25,000 bail, reached her moments before she got in the building and threatened to kill her and the children if she said anything. So terrified, she declared the attack had never happened and the charges were dropped. Nilda finally then moved to her mother's home with the children and Ariel cut almost all contact with them. Well, thank God. I know. But like, I feel, besides obviously the beating and everything, I feel bad because this is like her only experience with like a relationship because he took her virginity and then she's just had Mm -hmm. to live with them. And then the children are from him and then, oh. Poor girl. I'm so glad that he cut ties. Huh. No? Oh. Well, well, mm, nah. Okay. So, <laughs> just when you think you know the direction it's going in, it's going to do a total 180 at some okay. point. So, just stay on your toes. Like I okay. said, all hands, feet inside the vehicle. Okay. So, um... He spent his time further fortifying the house using materials stolen from a next-door neighbor after threatening him with a shovel. So the neighbor was just like, okay, dude, like, do whatever you want, I guess. Um, Ariel began installing multiple security alarms and strategically placing mirrors all over the house until he was sure that nothing could happen in the house without him seeing it. What a freak. I know, right? So, while undergoing brain surgery in 1995, Nilda started dating a security guard named Fernando Collin. Um, Ariel found out about their relationship a year after when one of his daughters called him from Fernando's home and he became furious. He called Fernando claiming that Nilda was his wife that he had quote-unquote stolen from him. But Fernando reminded Ariel that he had never actually married Nilda. Fucking put him in his place. Right? So one day Ariel saw Fernando taking his children to school and attempted to run him over with his car, but Fernando dodged him, then filed charges against Ariel. Uh, But they were dropped due to lack of evidence, which always seems to happen. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it would be easier now since... 99% 99% of the houses around have, like, ring cameras that'll catch whatever. Yeah. I mean, if they had that back then, like, none of this, pro- like, like, next shit would happen. How are there no eyewitnesses? Like, he's dropping them off at school. Right? I, I don't know, man. Hmm. So, in 1997, yours truly was born. <laughs> Um, Nilda was given full custody of the children and Ariel was deprived of visitation rights, obviously. So after his family left, Ariel became interested in BDSM and disclaimer, obviously, if you're into BDSM, like you do you, as long as it's consensual, like, but I also think that people like him, obviously, I don't know what you're about to say about him, but like. BDSM culture is actually super about like consent and all that shit and everything oh, yeah. else just like gives it a fucking bad name. Like, Have you ever in, watched like, Fifty Shades of Grey? They've got like yeah. a whole ass like... Yeah, and I, I feel like that, 
like the BDSM group was like mad at that movie because they're like, it's not fucking like that at all. It's like you would never do that to someone who doesn't want to do it and shit like that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So disclaimer, if you're into it, awesome. If you're not, awesome. Yeah. We never judge here. No. Unless you do something without consent. Then we're fucking judging. Then I will fucking judge you till you... Yeah. (laughs) So, um, he also developed a fantasy of holding a teenage girl in his home as a sex slave. Obviously, this is a no. Like, ever. Like, no. If you... No. Go, Go get help. No. Yes. So, on August 22nd, 2002... Ariel was at a dollar store when he overheard 21-year-old Michelle Knight asking how to get to a social services office. So now we're going to take a cut um, to give a little backstory on our queen, Michelle. Okay. Um, Now this is where I got a lot of the information from Morbid. Um, Mm -hmm. Elena from Morbid, a true crime podcast, 10 out of 10 recommend. And um, I, she got this info from reading Michelle's book, Finding Me, A Decade of Darkness, A Life Reclaimed. And it's a memoir of the Cleveland kidnappings. And I frankly didn't have enough time to read it, but she did. So thanks, Elena, again. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michelle Knight was born on April 23rd, 1981 in Cleveland, Ohio. She was 4'7", which earned her the nickname Shorty, which me and you can both relate. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but wow. I'm not, I'm not that short. How What's original, that? everybody. <laughs> Shorty, wow. Took you a long right. time. Right? And her story is just heartbreaking. Aww. So she grew up in extreme poverty. Um, her family lived in a station wagon for over a year. It was her her parents, um, her two twin brothers, and I believe a cousin. They didn't have basic necessities that we all take for granted. They moved all over and didn't have a shower. Like I said, they were living out of a station wagon. She said when they were able to shower or brush their teeth, she made sure to make sure that her siblings got a really good clean because they didn't know when they were going to get it again. Yeah. So she basically had to become their caregiver um or caretaker yeah and essentially wasn't allowed to have a childhood she grew up at a very very young age yeah so every once in a while they would move into homes but like in horrible neighborhoods yeah Uh, they used to have random people living with them like as roommates to be able to stretch out their funds to make ends meet and one of them was a male family member who began sexually abusing Michelle when she was five years old. What the fuck? Why are people such trash? I know. Um, She was also heavily bullied in school for her being so small and dirty. Um, And you know how horrible, like, kids can be. Yeah. Kids are the fucking worst. I know. And the worst part is she had absolutely, like, no control over any of it. So Elena mentioned from Morbid um, that there was an article in Newsweek. She said, quote, it was like I was buried six feet under and screaming and no one could hear a thing, end quote. Poor baby. Oh, my God. Like, I just, I can't even begin to, like, imagine 
living like this and just to see how she turns out it's it's insane so at this point michelle's 15 and she's still being abused by this family member and she had enough of everything she ran away and ended up sleeping in a garbage can under an underpass and said it was far superior from the life she had at home so like she was so small she could crawl up in a garbage can at one point she said this tall black man approached her and up until this point in her life every man that has come into contact with her has been horrible yeah so like she was very cautious when people would approach her meeting people but um this man ended up being a pastor at a baptist church who um she called arsenio because he reminded her of arsenio hall he said he was worried about her and told her that there were meals at the church that they would feed her and so she started going weekly um she was meeting people and everyone treated her kindly and she loved it uh she said he was her angel which oh honey yeah so one day a young man approached her and introduced himself as sniper and said he saw her and knew that she was homeless and wanted to help her so he offers her a room and said the only thing i need you to do is to be a drug runner no which honestly given she has nothing yeah honestly would be like kind of like a masked blessing you know so she said he was super nice never tried to do anything or hurt her um he even gave her a glock 22 to protect herself so eventually he introduced her to another person living in the house named roderick who was allegedly around the same age as Michelle, um, maybe a little older. But she said they became super close. And eventually, Sniper and Roderick both became like family. Yeah. They never tried to do anything to her. And it was all like, it was never romantic in any type of sense. So, which is so nice because, like, I, I don't know Rodney's story, but obviously, if he's around the same age and ending up in this house, like, he's probably not in a great situation either. So to have someone there for you, like that would be huge. So eventually the law caught up to what was going on in this house and police ended up raiding the place and she somehow was able to escape. Um, She ended up back at the underpass and a neighbor of her parents saw her and called her dad. So he came and forcibly took her back home and she was in trouble. Now, they never said if, like, they were, like, abusive. I mean, I can only imagine. I hope not. But from everything that's being said, it doesn't seem great. Yeah. Obviously. So when she was taken back home, that family member who was sexually abusing her laughed and said it was funny that she thought she could escape him. And he ended up abusing her that night. Okay, so. Jaden's face. Y'all couldn't see my face. I was stunned in the silence. Like, oh, I know this isn't what's going to happen. And you shouldn't do this. But I wish 
I I sound terrible, but I wish death on that man. Like, she should have, like, fucking killed him. I was gonna say, where did this Glock 22 go? I mean, she probably left it at the house, like, when you're, I assume, never have happened. I mean, I've been kicked out of parties where the police came in and we were yes. all running out the back. That's the closest thing I can relate or no. even compare to a drug raid. Um, but I wouldn't be thinking about my gun. I'd be like, I need to get the fuck out, you know? So... Um, at 17, Michelle got pregnant, sophomore year of high school, by someone she was dating. Okay. So it, okay. Wasn't, it wasn't the family member. I mean, still not the best situation, but she said she did like him. But ended up finding out that he was dating someone else at the same time of finding out she was pregnant. And... When given the chance, he left her for this other girl, even though he knew she was pregnant. Piece of shit. Everyone's a fucking piece of shit. Right? You're going to be saying this the entire time. This is the episode full of pieces of shit. Right? So, Michelle gave birth to a baby boy named Joey on October 24th, 1999. My God, that's a day after my wedding. Yeah. <laughs> and she said while she was pregnant, she was still being abused by this um, no! family member. No! However, she started fighting back. Good. So right here, I'm going to place a major trigger warning. This involves a child. No. A toddler. Just so you know, honestly, this whole episode is a trigger warning. And I suggest you probably go to like two episodes ago where we didn't really need to place the trigger warning, but the last episode wasn't as bad as this one's going to be. So, um, yeah, rate us five stars. So have fun. (laughs) (laughs) So she referred to Joey as her gift and he was the greatest thing that has ever happened to her. He gave her purpose and she wanted to do right by him and for him to at least have a childhood. Yeah. Something she never had. Michelle's mom got a divorce from her dad. Obviously, that's what that means. Um, (laughs) And ended up dating a guy named Carlos, who was an abusive asshole. So Joey is two, and Michelle is around 19, 20. And at this point, Michelle all... All that's in her mind is, I need to get him out of here. I need to get him to a safer place, a better home, like a better atmosphere. She was looking around for a job. And with the fact that she dropped out of high school, uh, she was having a really hard time finding a job. Yeah. So she left Joey with her mom for a few hours to go um, out and try to get an interview somewhere. While she was gone, her mother had left Joey with Carlos. No. So when Michelle came back, Joey was visibly upset and this pissed off Carlos. And Carlos grabbed Joey by the leg and ended up fracturing it. Oh my God. What the fuck? I know. So when she was at the hospital, she told doctors that Joey hurt his leg at a park because she knew that if they knew that Joey was living in this abusive household, they would take him away from her. Yeah. But plot twist, Carlos actually called the hospital and admitted that he did it. 
that he was drunk and didn't mean to hurt him. So I feel like he's that, like, abusive drunk. Yeah. So, like, that's big of Carlos to have admitted that he did it, but the hospital was like, yeah, no, Joey can't live there. And they took him from Michelle and placed him in foster care. Which was the one thing Michelle did not want. I feel like any normal parent, that would be the worst case scenario. A few days later, Michelle had a court hearing because she was determined to get Joey back. She had to walk three hours to get to this hearing because she didn't have a car. Oh my God. I know. And she got there 15 minutes late. And they screamed at her saying that they were holding it against her. Seriously? Yeah. Like, what What do you expect? I feel like, are you kidding me? I just walked three hours to get here. And you're going to tell me, like, yeah. we can't do it now? It's 15 fucking minutes. And the fact that she walked three hours should show that she is dedicated. I mean, like. So, like, yeah, I have, like, mixed feelings here because, yeah, it's super sad because the mom, like, was going to take care of him. But, like, that situation's bad, you know? So, I, like, ugh. No, yeah. And because, like, I get it. Like, I'm sure there's people that are, like, oh, I just walked three hours kind of, like, as an excuse. But, like, knowing everything she's been through. Yeah. And that she actually, like, desperately wanted Joey back. Mm-hmm. Like, I just... Ugh, it's infuriating. So in 2002, she was still in the process of getting Joey back. Um, she moved in with her cousin, Lisa, and Lisa wanted to help Michelle get Joey back as well. Oh, good. Over this point, uh, Lisa introduced her to a bunch of friends and family that Michelle didn't know. And one of these cousins name was Diana who then introduced Michelle to one of her friends, who was Emily Castro. So, and to to preface, to preface, later on, none of Ariel's kids knew anything. So, just to put that out there. Yeah, no, no, I knew that, but I knew... But to to link him to her. Yeah. So... Emily was around a lot and Michelle said she really liked her and also that Emily told her about her parents, how they were divorced, but she sees her father, Ariel. Um, She showed a picture of him and at one point spoke on the phone with him in front of Michelle and Michelle said that he sounded nice. And Emily had also mentioned that he was an elementary school bus driver. No, he's not. Let that sink in. So, at this point, Joey is bouncing from foster home to foster home, going to different towns, and Michelle had to be present at every appointment and all of the supervised visitations that she was going or that she was doing with him. And she still doesn't have a car, so she's trying to do everything. Yeah she can to be there and if she misses any of them it's only going to set her back from getting joey yeah so on august 23rd 2002 she had an appointment at 2 30 with social services to start the process of 
actually getting him back. However, the address of this place was somewhere she had no idea how to get to. And keep in mind, this is 2002. It's not like you can just Google it or type in a location and have it conveniently pop up. Um, A family member was supposed to take her, but bailed at the last second. So on top of that, social services had offered her a ride. But at that point, she declined because she yeah. had a ride. So Michelle and her cousin, Diana, are walking around for hours trying to find this address. She eventually told Diana to go home and she tried to find it. So at this point, it's around 1.30 and she's panicking. Yeah. She even called social services and they basically said, well, you should have taken the ride. No, like, help at all. Like, oh, maybe try going this way. This is where we are. Right? Nope. Nothing. So, Michelle went into a dollar store and asked several people on where she could find this place. And she got an answer from the cashier saying it was close by. Like, it's down by the light and make a left kind of thing. Well, a man named Ariel Castro overheard the conversation And said, oh, I know where that is. I can give you a ride. So Michelle immediately recognized him and was like, oh, you're Emily's dad. So, like, she felt like she could trust him and got in his car. It's like, I wouldn't think twice if I saw my friend's parent. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, I need a ride. So... And this is why I was nervous when you were like, oh, and then she started hanging out with Emily Castro. And I was like... That's what's going to happen. He's going to be like, oh, hey, just come with me. And she's going to be like, yeah, sure. You're my friend's dad. Like, right. When he starts driving, he's driving the wrong way. And she's like, uh, the lady said it was the other way. No. And Ariel was like, oh, I need to stop at the house real fast because my dog just had puppies. And she was like, Joey loves puppies and told him everything on how she's like I'm literally going to get my son back and fucking Ariel said you know what you can have one of the puppies and give it to your son and Michelle said quote that day I disappeared I didn't know I was going to be spending 11 years in a house of torture hell chained up to pools hang from ceilings I didn't know this was going to happen I was walking to get my son back end quote poor babies I know so the house on Seymour Avenue was actually pretty close to hers um there was trash outside the grass was dead and long and just neglected um he had a dog named Maxine chained up outside and when she saw this, she questioned why the dog was outside, and he yeah. said, oh, she needed to go out before I left, so I chained her out here, and just because I knew I'd be back quick kind of thing, which, in my mind, I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So, she followed him in to pick out a puppy, and he said that Emily came back from school and was also inside, so... Michelle said the home was disgusting. There was rotten food, papers everywhere, smelled like pee with all the windows boarded up from the inside. 
And he was like, come on up and see the puppies. And she immediately was like, fuck no, I'll pass. Wait, question. Yes. He told her Emily was inside. Yeah. Right? Okay. I wasn't sure if that was it or if she was actually inside. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So instantly those like red flags pop up and like something you're just like, this is not right kind of thing. And she was like, I'll pass. And he said, quote, from the book, come on, you really don't have to be afraid. It's me, Ariel, Emily's dad. Like, he's harping on the fact that he's Emily's dad. Fuck him. Like, and the fact that, like, not that someone else deserved it, but you know that she's struggling and literally was walking to get her fucking son. And you still did this. You did this to her son as well. Like, fuck you. You knew what it was like. To get shit on when you were fucking five years old, but you're gonna let her son? Oh god. Okay. You are gonna get so heated. I think I'm pretty sure I know the case now. (laughs) So he led her to a pink bedroom and pointed in and said, The puppies are in there in the box. And when she went in and saw there were no puppies, she heard the door slam behind her. And he put his hand over her mouth saying, I'll kill you if you scream. Oh, my God. I know. It gets so, 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 so much worse. If you're, I'm going to say this again. I'm going to keep saying this throughout the episode. (laughs) Just so everyone knows. If you aren't about super extremely brutal cases, you should go listen to another episode. Like, I'm not kidding. (laughs) Like, Listening to this the first time made me nauseous, and I'm into this shit, so take with that what you will. Yeah. So, Ariel, then, okay, I need to make, like, a legit disclaimer. Like, this is some really fucked up shit. Like, I feel like the disclaimer I put wasn't good enough. You know what? (laughs) No. All right. PSA, this is, like, your worst nightmare times 20. And on top of this... Ariel Castro is fucking, like, ugly as shit. Like, he is... I know that doesn't matter. (laughs) No, but no, I feel you. But, like, just seeing his picture and then hearing what he does makes my skin crawl. It makes me nauseous. Like, he is not a fucking human. Yeah. Because, no, I understand what you're saying, though. Because it's, like, not that it would be any less worse if the person was attractive, but you wouldn't be like your, your skin wouldn't be crawling looking at them because they're like disgusting, you know? Yes. And I feel like that's a fucked up way of like saying it, It but but... like, man, he is. Anyway. So Ariel then tied cords around Michelle's ankles so tight that it was cutting into her skin. And she said that, They were so tight that her feet immediately went numb. Oh, God. He tied her wrists together behind her back, then tied her feet to her wrists together, hog-tying her. No. But he didn't stop there. He tied the cord around her neck, then masturbated onto her before, before hanging her onto, like, a clothesline wire that he strung from two poles on opposite sides of the room. And then he stuffs a dirty sock in her mouth, duct taping, like, over it around her head to keep 
it in her mouth and to keep her quiet. So she's like suspended a foot above the ground, hogtied. And and then he said, quote, stay here. I'm going to go get food, end quote. Like, where the fuck is she supposed to go? Yeah. Like, what? And this also is fucked. This whole thing's fucked. But he then turns the radio on full blast to music. And she said that he turned it up so loud that it hurt her ears. And he left her hanging there for the rest of that day and night before returning. So the next morning, Ariel brought McDonald's trying to force feed her a sausage sandwich that was like old. And when she wouldn't eat it, he untied her and threw her on a mattress into another room and raped her for hours. No. After this, he immediately started crying. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) You don't get to fucking cry, you piece of fucking shit. He said he didn't mean to beat his ex-wife. He just had a bad childhood and was sexually molested, so now he's fucked up. He also told her how he was addicted to porn. Okay, but there are other people who have who are sexually assaulted, are addicted to porn, and they don't fucking do this shit. You piece of fucking shit. The audacity you have to fucking cry like a little fucking bitch. Fuck you. I'm not laughing at this, but how mad you're getting it. It's not even as bad as it gets. It's the crying. The crying just set me the fuck off. Like, fucking stop. Right? Like, oh, pity me. But, like, what? So, she tried talking him down, saying, it's cool. You can change. Like, you can be a good person. It can end here, and I can leave. Like, trying to get those human emotions and to like humanize him herself to him yeah. to like get like you know in your conscious where you start thinking like this is a fucking bad idea yeah and then he started freaking out on her because he found out that she was 21 and he thought she was much younger he told her that she was going to be there for a while till like christmas and it's August. No. So then. You should have been like, let me go. Get someone younger. <laughs> I know, right? So then he drags her out of the room, drags her down to the main floor, and drags her down to the basement. Ugh. And we all know nothing good ever happens in the basement. Yeah. Especially this fucking shithole. So. She said the basement was covered in rusty chains, dirty clothes, porn, trash and water. And Ariel used two eight-foot chains to chain her to a pole. And twist tied her hands behind her back and took the chains and he looped them around her stomach and kept wrapping them around like up in, like up to her mouth. Like it's that's kind of fucking overkill, dude. Like Yeah. So she was chained in place like she could not move and he then says i need to make sure you're not going to make any sounds and this part like really freaks me out but he grabs a motorcycle helmet and smacks it down on her head why 
have you ever had a motorcycle helmet on you yeah dude like you can't move yeah it's probably so claustrophobic right so and yeah she said she immediately passed out and then came to and then like would pass out again and then come to like she kept going in and out of consciousness she eventually was able to get her hands untied and got the helmet off oh good and when he came back down, she tried to put the helmet back on and her hands behind her back. But he saw and said, quote, you're going to have to get punished now, end quote. Oh, uh... In her book, she said she couldn't write what he did to her. Like, she couldn't even write down what happened. Oh. But it involved him waving a pipe in front of her face. And that if she screamed, he would shove it down her throat. And she said, the most horrific thing you can imagine times it by a thousand. No, poor baby. So then, after all of this, he left her in the pitch black basement. And she was covered in bruises, piss, semen, blood, sitting there crying. (sighs) Like, so, this, this is where I have a problem with, uh, um, this will probably exile people from the podcast, but, like, with God, okay? Everyone's, like, idea of him. How does God exist when this woman's life is like this? She's abused from the time she's five, over and fucking over and fucking over and fucking over and fucking over again and right. fucking over again and some more. Like, yeah. how? And I wish I had an answer for you. Because, like, I mean, I am Catholic, and I do believe in a lot of that stuff. But also, keep in mind, like, she fucking survives. No, I know, which, you know, I love a fucking I survive. Right? (laughs) So, like, but no. Oh, and everyone's going to be like, oh, you, like, just tested her faith. Fucking fuck that. Fuck that. Well, I'm sorry. Fuck that. But anyway. No, and I, I, I totally get that. And it's just like one of those things that's like, well, then why is cancer a thing? And yes. why do people get abused? And it's just no one knows. Like, I, I wish I had the answer, but I'm not the man upstairs. So, So Ariel had a routine. He would leave in the morning force feed her an egg McMuffin from McDonald's and wash it down with orange juice. And keep in mind, the food that he feeds them is, like, old and, like, rotting. Like, Like, But why? Right? I don't know. But just disgusting. So he would go to work, come back, watch porn so loud that she could hear it from the basement, and then go down and violently rape and beat her. So then he would tell her that no one's looking for you. It's not in the news. There's no flyers up. No one cares about you. You're never getting out of here. And just totally mentally, I mean, obviously physically, but mentally breaking her down. Yeah. And deep down in her mind, she started thinking, like, what if there's no one actually looking for me? Like, yeah. But it's also like, she was also thinking, like, someone had to have seen me at the dollar store and that 
Like, yes. Diana must have started asking around. That's what I was going to say. Like, the last person she's seen, because obviously her cousin knows that she was going to this. She doesn't show up. Okay, where was where was where was she last seen? Oh, the dollar store. Who was she last seen with? Why didn't they show up at his house? Right, right. Like this would have been so so fucking quick. Like I don't understand exactly. So Ariel would also have a bunch of other people over at the house and tell Michelle not to make a sound, or like she would get beat the fuck up. Yeah, and. His band would come over and play every Saturday night. And when he was at work, she would rattle the chains in hope of someone hearing her. Yeah. And this part is just so heartbreaking. But she talks about thinking a lot about Joey. Like she would talk to him and pretend that he was there. I know. And at some point. Ariel brought her back upstairs after weeks and weeks of being in the pitch black basement. Yeah. She tried to keep track of the days, but didn't know exactly how long it was at this point. Yeah. But he brought her back up to the pink room and chained her to a radiator. And she said that she was freezing because the radiator like hardly was spitting out any type of heat. Um, he raped her multiple times a day and then would lay next to her after and just chat. It's like, no, I don't want to fucking talk to you. You're a fucking rapist. Right? So she said he was like Jekyll and Hyde. He would be this horrific being one moment and then almost try to be her friend the next. And he told her he loved looking at blondes. <laughs> what color hair does she have? Uh, dark brown but he said um, he loved looking at blondes and quote he said I wish I'd gotten to that little Joan Benet Ramsey first if some other bastard didn't get to her first it could have been me end quote yeah calm down buddy right and then also like he would say stuff about like Elizabeth Smart because that also happened around that time So he would have moments where he'd say, you must be bored sitting up here all day and brought up a radio and then a TV for Michelle. And it would get to the point where she thought she could get to him. Yeah. And then as soon as she would like kind of try to bait at it, he Mm -hmm. would switch. Uh, And also like, Joey is probably like, hey, I thought my mom was trying to get me, and now she just stopped trying. So he's also probably thinking, like, oh, she doesn't love me anymore, you know? But also to think about it, like, she was in constant contact with social services. They don't think it's weird that all contact just totally stopped? Yes. Like, what? Anyway, so one day, months later... He said he'd let her go once he'd get two other girls in the house. And she was like, no. Like, she didn't want two other girls to go through what she's been going through. But she was hoping that he would try and get caught in the act of it. Yeah. But he kept saying, quote, I need to know if I can trust you. Like, I I need to trust you. And she would notice that he would leave for a few seconds 
and come back to see if she tried to escape. And she caught on to this. Yeah. She would talk to him, kind of, like, testing him. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you never did get me that puppy for Joey. And that was your word. Like, you said you were going to get me that puppy. How am I supposed to trust you? And would keep saying it over and over again. Which I don't think I would think to say that, you know? But super smart. So eventually, Ariel walked in with a little pit bull puppy. And she named him Lobo. Lobo. And she adored this puppy. And I mean, like, obviously so. Like, you were held in captivity with no one. So, like, as soon as she gets some sort of something to hold on to, like, you're going to cling to it. Mm -hmm. So, Michelle trained him and would sleep with, like, he would sleep with her. Um, He was just always with her and keep in mind like she was still always chained to the radiator yeah so like ariel would take the dog outside and chain him up like when he would abuse her now i i have to insert another trigger warning if it's about an animal i also need because it involves an animal i can't but i feel like this is important to include in michelle's story it is important but can you just talk and I leave the room? <laughs> you signed up for this shit. I, yeah, about Everyone people. else can skip forward about two or 20 seconds. But About people, not about animals. <laughs> I know. And I'll make it, I'll make it fast. But it's, it's very sad. But it's a part of her story. I feel like it needs to be said to truly understand what she went through. Kind no, of it does. Can you make it as... L- the least amount of graphic you can. Yes. Yeah. Or it's not just... necessarily graphic. It's just a quick. But like it plays a, it plays a role yeah. in it. And like I know, when I was writing it, I was like, Jaden's not gonna like this, but. Yeah. So, like I said, trigger warning. Everyone except for Jaden, <laughs> get forward. Like 20 seconds. So one night, um, he didn't take the dog out. And Ariel came in drunk and started to go for Michelle. And the dog went after him trying to protect Michelle. And Ariel picked the dog up, broke its neck, and threw it on the mattress next to Michelle. And this absolutely broke her she said in the moments after like she was screaming sobbing and she said she like prior she would talk to the dog saying like we're gonna get out of this together we're gonna get out of here we'll be together and after that happened she just talked to him saying hopefully I'll see you on the other side hopefully this ends soon so I can come see you so I'm gonna cry. I know. So eventually But oh, wait, hold on. That baby was protecting his girl. Mm-hmm. Oh I'm gonna cry. But like ugh. It's so sad. It's but I 
he knows. I accidentally step on my dog's toe and he wimps and I'm on the floor like holding him even though he's like, what the fuck are you doing? But that like, pup I... knows that his girl survived. And that's... Mm-hmm. I know. Like, it's just... Like I said, Ariel is not human. No. He is not human. At all. So, eventually, Ariel comes up and says, I'm going to take you outside. To Michelle. Okay. At this point, she hasn't been outside for like eight months. Wait, hold on. Can I also ask, did the dog, did he get some bites in? Because I fucking hope so. I hope so. I mean, they said that he attacked Ariel, so I'm assuming he got a few good ones. I hope he broke some skin. Yeah. Like, fuck Ariel. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. (laughs) So, um, he takes her downstairs and had her change her clothes because she was still in the same clothes that she was kidnapped in. And how many, how long are we in so far? Eight months. God. And she, she hasn't showered, nothing. So he puts her in like his dirty pajamas. So to go from like, I would rather be in my eight month old clothes, clothing, like than into his dirty pajamas. But I was also thinking about how, like from day one, he like came on her and she's wearing those same clothes. Mm -hmm. And so he's definitely doing that all the time. Her clothes are probably just covered in that. Yeah. Uh I know. So um he also puts her in a wig and glasses. Hmm. So he took her out to help him with something outside and a neighbor happened to be outside. And the reason that she didn't scream or anything was because Ariel had a gun pointed at her the entire time and said he would kill her. Honestly, fucking kill me do right? it do See, it at out the same here time, this is also what like elena was saying on their podcast she was like i would just be like fucking shoot me like yeah but you don't know what you're, you're right in that moment you know like mm-hmm. you don't know i feel yeah. like i'd be like i'm staying quiet like i yeah. would say like oh shoot me like well that's why like they tell people they're like if they show you a gun or whatever, and they're like, don't scream, as they're like, you better fucking scream, because as soon as you get in that car, you're fucking dead. Like, you're dead. Like, shoot me right out here. That neighbor, guess what? That neighbor's going to the fucking cops. What are you going to do with my body? I'm sorry. There's an eyewitness. You literally just saw you fucking murder me. But you're right. right. She's so mentally fucked. Like, but. Eight if months of straight abuse. Yeah. If you're in the situation. Actually, I'm not going to tell you to do whatever, but I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm fucking screaming. And like I said, I would definitely be like, shoot me. Like, yeah, I want to go see my dog, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, we don't know what we would actually do. Yeah. So like, it's not like you can really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Happen, no? We're not faulting her at all. No, not at all. Yeah. So after that he brought her back inside and um had her take off the pajamas and thinking she'd get her clothes back but no he kept her naked for four months in the middle of winter and she went eight months without a shower why but my thing is 
why wouldn't you want the person that you're, well, in his head, he's just having sex with her, right? Why wouldn't you want that person to be clean? Right? Like, but, you like, when you think about thing. it, when she walked into the house first off the gate, like, True. it was disgusting. Rotten food, it smelled like pee, like, he True. doesn't fucking care. Yeah. So, on April 21st, 2003... Michelle was kidnapped on August 23rd, 2002. So almost exactly eight months um, after her kidnapping, 16-year-old Amanda Berry goes missing. So Amanda worked at a Burger King on Lorraine Avenue on West 110th Street in Cleveland. And this was around the area where Michelle was kidnapped. And this was the day before her 17th birthday. No! Mm-hmm. So she said she almost called off work because it was her birthday the next day, and she said, man, I wish I had. It's like that fucking universe fate shit, and right? I fucking hate it. Right? So she's leaving work and walking home, and her boyfriend DJ was supposed to pick her up, but didn't. Fucking DJ, come on. But, like, honestly, hindsight 2020, I bet he fucking wishes he picked her up. Oh, yeah. Like, he probably fucking wrecked himself thinking about how he picked her up. I could never live with myself. No. Not even knowing in the moment, but then knowing afterwards that, like, something I did caused Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. I don't think I could live with myself. No, could not. No. So she passed a maroon van on her way home that was parked in a driveway and she had to walk around it and saw a man with a girl and assumed it was his daughter Mm -hmm. she thought she recognized the girl saying that she thought she went to elementary school with her so she smiled and kept walking this is why you don't smile at people (laughs) say that again this is why you don't smile at people ever exactly Sorry, my alarm to eat dinner went off. You have to remind yourself to eat dinner? Girl, when you have ADHD, I have an alarm to remind me to eat lunch and dinner. Gotcha. Like, especially when I take my medicine, I'll work right through everything. So, I'm going to need, you know what, I'm going to go get, I was about to say McDonald's, but after reading all of this, I don't think This episode brought to you by McDonald's. Right. Thank you for the sponsor. Just I, I'm going out and getting food tonight because this is this. I'm going through this for the 6,000th time. Yeah, no. Anyway, I did it to myself, so it's my fault. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, like I said, she smiled, kept walking. Then the van started following her. No. And the guy was like, hey, do you need a ride? And she didn't see the girl in the van anymore. And he said, she's at my house and asked if she knew Emily. And she said she thought she did. And he said, do you want to do you want me to give you a ride? I can take you back so you can say hi to Emily. And she said, sure. So apparently she allegedly had an argument with her mom. So she wasn't like stoked about going back her house and was like fuck it yeah so she said sure and they went back to his house and she had her phone out and ariel asked 
to see it. Like, he kept making comments on the phone and then eventually was like, hey, can I see your phone? And um, this was when they parked at the house. And he was like, I need, I need to see something or something. So she was like, sure, and handed it to him. And while he had the phone, he was like, hold on, let me untangle the chain from my dog and gets out of the car with the phone. Yeah. Honestly, if this were all to happen to me, I'd be like, sure. Yeah. Like, yep. don't think anything of it. And she's sitting there and he comes back and was like, why don't you come inside? Emily's taking a bath so you can just wait for her. Yeah. And then he's like, let me show you around. So then he starts showing her around the house and they get to a room where there's a woman sleeping on a gross mattress with a TV. Michelle. Mm-hmm. Wait, she's naked, right? I believe so, but it didn't say anything. I think so. <laughs> but anyway, we're just going to go with sure. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to say yes if it's not right. Yeah. But if anyone sees that and it's and she's not, then I'm wrong. Anyway, so immediately alarms go off in Amanda's head. Yeah. So Ariel takes her to another room that was dark, didn't turn on the lights, and said, quote, pull your pants down. No. Which, (laughs) like, yeah, that gives me, I don't like that. No. And I'm sorry if I start kind of like laughing. I laugh when I get very uncomfortable. Yes. Just to put that out there. Because you either laugh or you cry. So. Exactly. And I always laugh when I cry, no matter what. (laughs) Anyway, so he then raped her and took her down to the basement and did the exact same thing he did to Michelle. So he kept telling her to be quiet and don't make any noise and I'll let you go home. He then ended up taking the TV from Michelle and took it down to Amanda. And she said that um she just screamed and cried the entire time and she watched on the tv her mom and sister pleading for her to come home on the news he made her watch them pleading for her to come home and she said instead of being hopeless amanda said like thought or said to herself thought Uh said whatever um that she's going to get out of here i don't know when but I'm going to get out of here. Fucking yes. Yes, right? So on the fourth day of her abduction, Ariel moved her upstairs and chained her to a radiator in a different room. And he did the same thing with the chain. And she said she couldn't move and she couldn't lay on them comfortably. Like, they were yeah. all wrapped around her and they're like these rusty chains like man I will never get upset when I wake up with a kink in my neck yeah. right. so a week later Ariel calls Amanda's family and said I have Mandy and the only people who called her that were close friends and family and said that she wants to be with me now Now, the FBI traced the call, but it was in the early stages of, like, tracking, like, phones, signals, and whatnot, and was able to narrow it down to two blocks from the home. 
but they could only track it with the phone on, but he never used it again. But wait, you mean on, he used her cell phone? Yeah. Okay, but listen, but why didn't they like map the way she would have walked home from Burger King or whatever? Or, or go to fucking every house. Go to every house. Well, go to every house. So, if like I, I said, was it's the, the it's, mom, I would have gone to fucking every house, even if the cops yeah. aren't doing it. Oh, no. Same. But also, when you think about it, this is, what, 2002, 2004? I can't remember. But it was in the very early stages. But so you said it was it could. It was two blocks from the house that they reached. So they didn't know how close they actually got at that time. Oh, I thought you said they narrowed it down to two blocks. Like, to two blocks from the house. Like, they were able to track it to two blocks from the house. And later they found out that it was two blocks from the house that they, like, had the signal in. Still, you should have gone to every single house on the block. Yeah. Or two or three or five or twelve. Like, you know what I mean? So, um... A few weeks later, he asked Amanda if she wanted something from the store. And she said a journal. And she wrote numbers on the top of each page, which were the number of times that he raped her that day. No, baby girl, no. I know. And he would let Amanda shower sometimes, but it would only be with him. Oh, no, I'll stay fucking dirty. Right? And she said, I just went somewhere else during everything. Like, they totally, like... Yeah. Left I hope I never, like, can relate to that. Because, like, yeah. there's a lot of sexual assault victims that they just go to a different place. Like, yep. their bo- like they leave their body. And they all said this. Yeah. Which, you can't blame them. Yeah. But, um, does, do they both get it constantly or be, or is like one more than the other now? Um, they get it constantly. Like now, instead of like, obviously it was, they said it was still multiple times a day. They would still get it. It would just like whoever, he seemed to like to take a lot of his anger out on Michelle. Like she would get worse even though it's all over all over bad yeah but she would get worse and amanda would get more like leeway oh not leeway but like i don't know how to explain it i know what you're talking about like he favored michelle yeah like torture so um ariel would tell her that he would let her go as soon as he got one more girl so, like, this keeps on track with what he said to Michelle, like, yeah, let me have two girls and then I'll let you go kind of thing. So, soon after, Michelle got pregnant. And Ariel found out that she was pregnant, so he starved her for a week, trying to force her to lose the baby. And when this didn't work, he hit her in the stomach with a barbell. And she had miscarried that night alone 
on the mattress. The next morning, he came in and beat her for aborting his child. What the fuck is wrong with this man? What isn't wrong with him? Like, so, she ends up suffering at the end of this five terminated pregnancies from Ariel. Five? And coming out of this, she is no longer able to conceive with the amount of physical abuse he did to her. No. I know. Like, she, it's just, she's beat down and down and down and down. Like, I, I can't. It's insane. So, like, the word traumatic doesn't even touch what these girls went through, especially Michelle. And all she wanted was to get her son back. Yes. So, at some point during all of this, about three years in, Ariel was actively dating a woman named Lillian. And she would come over hearing Michelle's television and... Ariel would whip out some excuse and forbid her from going upstairs. And it's like, as soon as you say, like, I can't go somewhere, I'm yeah. going to fucking go up there. It's like, why? It's like Beauty and the Beast. What are you hiding in the West yeah. Wing? But also, like, how did she voluntarily come to this trashy-ass, disgusting house? That's what I keep saying. I don't I don't get it. He has friends and whatnot over all the time, his bandmates, and no one's like, bro, you really need to get a deep clean done. Yeah. Like, I need to clean my house from how gross I feel. Yes. So maybe that will be the good thing that comes out of me listening to this story. Right? So they ended up breaking up around October 2003. So... But she never heard. He wouldn't let her go anywhere. And it's like, you didn't ask questions. Yeah. But also, like, everyone was terrified of Ariel. Yeah. But also, we're not faulting this girl. Because also, why would you think, why would you ever, like, your mind would never go, oh, he probably has two girls upstairs that he tortures, you know? Like, (laughs) and I mean, like, I'm pretty. we've definitely said this on past episodes. It's like, when you're in that situation, you're not thinking like yeah all the red flags you're seeing you're not picking up on yeah so the girls definitely had stockholm syndrome like he would kind of let them walk around and they would be too scared to try anything yeah november 15th 2003 america's most wanted covered the disappearance of amanda berry Mm -hmm. um her disappearance was heavily covered Mainly, like, at credit to her mom. Yeah. She was all over the news, talk shows, hosting vigils, and doing everything she can to find Amanda. hmm And Ariel would always make the girls watch their families on TV trying to find them. And then turn to Michelle, who no one... Like, he would tell her how no one was looking for her. Yeah. And she said that it was just a lonely feeling, which I could never even begin to imagine. Like, she would always be like, fuck you. Like, yeah. Like, act unbothered. But when you're sitting there for so long and you're seeing Amanda get all this coverage and she hasn't gotten anything, like, that really mentally will fuck you up. 
It's just, like, another form of torture. Oh, yeah. Like, mentally abusing and manipulating. So, January 26, 2004, police arrive at Ariel's home. They were investigating him on charges of child abduction and child endangerment. So, he's a bus driver, right? That morning, he picked up two kids to drop them off at an after-school program. Uh He decided to drop one of them off and kept the other, who was allegedly around the age of four or five, Uh and kept him on the bus while he drove to Wendy's to have lunch and told the child to hide in the back of the bus so he can go in and eat and said, quote, lay down, bitch. Right? To a five-year-old. Four or five-year-old. Then went in and ate and then drove the bus around aimlessly to return the kid to school two hours late. That's kind of sketchy. Right? Like, Like, does he think they're not going to question that? Exactly. And they never said that he did anything to this child. But, like, what was the point? Yeah. So... The officers um, show up, and when Ariel didn't answer at his house, they just walked away. Cleveland police, man. To top it off, the Cleveland Police Department would be back multiple times and would just leave when Ariel wouldn't answer. Fucking why? Right? So, also investigating this was Cleveland's Child and Family Services, and they said they found child abuse and neglect, but they said it was unsubstantiated and didn't press any charges. But the Cleveland School District did hold a disciplinary meeting where Ariel was suspended without pay for 60 days. Why don't you fucking fire his ass? Major slap on the wrist. I don't know. Like, if I was a parent, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. No. Be up in fucking arms. I mean, so, I've never worked a union job. I don't know how they work. I don't know what the rules are and all that jazz. But in Morbid, like, they, they made a point to point out that he worked for a union. So, I guess there must be something different there but but when you fucking endanger like children because you take them out i'm sorry your union should throw little should throw you the fuck out like right so i don't know you can comment on why you think that is what it is yeah but because don't you remember i did a case where he worked a union job i think it was one of the neighbors that killed the other neighbor but he he knew all of like the rules and everything, and they tried firing him, like, nine times. Yeah. So, there's gotta be something. And I don't know why, but, like, he should have been fired. Yeah. <laughs> Point blank, period. Like, I feel like this is pretty good cause to, you know... Right? So, Gina agreed, and he got her in the house and took her upstairs, saying the speakers were up there. So, he takes her up to a bathroom... Mm-hmm. and said, quote, show me your privates. That is, like, even... That makes me even more uncomfortable than if you <laughs> had just said it. I know. Like, oh. are you gonna rape me? 
fucking be a man and say the fucking words. Dude, I've read I I've read over this so many times and every time it's like ew. Ew, it makes my skin crawl. Yeah. And she immediately got uncomfortable, obviously, obviously, and said she wanted to leave. And he was like, I'm sorry, that was inappropriate. So on April 2nd, 2004, so just about a year after Amanda's kidnapping, mm-hmm. 14-year-old Gina Jesus goes missing. The crazy thing is... Felix Jesus was friends with Ariel Castro from high school. Like, they were long-term friends. So, at 2.30 p.m., Gina left Wilbur Wright Middle School, and she was walking with her friend Arlene Castro, who was Ariel's 13-year-old daughter. Like I said before, keep in mind, none of his kids knew anything about what their father was doing but also when I think about it it's like well Amanda said she thought she knew Emily but like if I don't know Diana saw on the news that Gina went missing after speaking with Arlene Castro and her friend is Emily Castro yeah. That just seems too connected. Like, yeah. I don't know if, like, I just have that rewired brain that thinks that way. But, like, if I saw something like that, I would definitely ask Emily about it. Yeah. You know? So. Or even um, the girls being like, Emily would be like, oh, hey, I know both of those girls. And then her other sister would go, oh, I know her. But then. Right. But maybe, I don't know, like, how friends were they? You know, because right. like, oh, they just all went to the same school. So it's like, oh, yeah, I knew her. Oh, yeah, I knew her, too. So but like, I think I'm we're just, just thinking about it. Say. How can I put this in? I'm friends with you. And. Someone goes missing and you were just seen like with them. But then your younger brother, his best friend went missing. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I understand. But like I'm like, are we only seeing that because we know that it's connected or right. would we actually see it if we didn't know? No, that's true. Because yeah, I feel like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. So because like I anyway, we're gonna move on because we okay. could talk about this for hours. Yeah. So <laughs> The kids all didn't live at the house with um, Ariel, obviously. Yeah. Um, When they would go visit, he wouldn't let them upstairs. So um, Arlene and Gina wanted to hang out that night, but Arlene couldn't go over to Gina's because she was grounded. So as they're walking home, they part ways. No. Gina continued on, and Ariel drove past and stopped and asked if she knew where Arlene was. And she said, like, yeah, I was just with her. And he was like, great. Um, I don't know where she is. Can you help me find her? And he later says that he was turned on by her cleavage. She's 14. I don't have words. Like, yes. No. So she knew that he was friends with her dad. So she gets in the car with him. So, like, 
if my dad's friend exactly trust there like if you're friends with my parents okay <laughs> you're my friends you're my friend's dad and my dad's friends with you why the fuck wouldn't i get in the car exactly so on the way looking for arlene he asked gina if she could help him move some speakers into his house like, bruh, she's 14. Yeah. Just like a disclaimer to everyone, grown men are not going to ask you for help. If you're a child, if you're a woman, like, they'll, if they need you to manual labor, they ain't asking a girl. Okay? They know. Right? Even I don't care if, if it sounds sexist, but it's true. Yeah. Even if they're, like, the most, like, feminist people, they're going to ask a man. They are not going to fucking ask you. Right. So, it's just, like, I'm going to teach my kids, if any adult says they need help, mm-hmm. find me, because they don't need your help. Nope. So. Because adult and adults don't ask children. Also, this is also Ted Bundy. He's not, like, he asked them, women, when the whole beach is full of men, to help move his fucking boat. Like, yes. No. no. Mm-mm. despite the urge, don't help people ever. Don't even right? don't go outside. Stay inside, become a hermit. That's the move. And I know for a fact if I were, if anything were to happen to me, that's where I would fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> and you can leave, but you can't go the way you came in. So let me show you a different way. So he takes her down to the basement saying there was a back door or something. And then goes in, ties her wrists, and chains her up to the pool and rapes her. Um, When he was finished, he put the motorcycle helmet over her head and left her crying. So at 3.45 p.m., Gina's mom starts getting nervous, going out to the places Gina would normally, like, hang out with, calling her friends, and trying, just trying to find her. But, like, again here. Okay, who was the last person to see her? Oh, let's go talk to this girl. Like. Right. So um, she then reported her missing at 5.09 p.m. to the Cleveland police. And according to her report, she said that Gina was mentally around the age of nine or ten years old. No. And she attends special ed classes and that she was last seen by Castro Arlene of West 110 Lorraine. So literally gives the address. Mm-hmm. Well, no, keep in mind, he lives on like 220-something Seymour. Oh, I this thought... Is, this is the mom. The mom. Okay, I thought that her home address would have been listed as his. Mm-hmm. That's the ad- That's why I thought you were saying the significance of the address. Okay, no, just but you know who else was abducted at 110 Lorraine Avenue? Who? Amanda Berry. Oh, wait. <laughs> wait. Who else did you think? I thought you were going to say, like, from another case. I was like, who? They were abducted on the same street. Like, wait, does he live on that street or no? No. Okay. I don't know how close he lives, but he lives close by. Yeah. So maybe that, the f- fact that they were both abducted on the same street in connection with the parameter of where they pulled the phone data mm-hmm. couldn't that have like overlapped at all well that's the, the thing that's the thing is the like door? that's the thing is i watched 
um, the crime watch little snippet that they did, and they put them both on the screen, Amanda Berry and Gina De Jesus. But also, I'll get to it in a little bit, but like the same guy is working on both cases. So then how did he not see this? Well, they're trying. No, they did. They they saw they thought that it was possibly connected oh, with how okay. close that they were. It okay. wasn't like they didn't rule that an option at all. <laughs> okay. I thought that's what you were saying. I thought you were saying that, oh, it was a coincidence that they had them both on the screen at the same time. Okay. No, no. They even said it was like possible yes. connection. So that Saturday morning... Right away, there were roadblocks set up showing people pictures of Gina and bloodhounds out searching for her. This was a massive missing persons case. And that same afternoon, police go to Amanda Berry's boyfriend, Denizo. This is DJ? Yeah. Okay. Denizo Diaz? I don't know. His last name's Diaz. Denenzo Diaz. I don't know. Because he was a prime suspect. And all of the neighbors were clapping as police walked him out thinking that they knew, like, that he knew where they were. Yeah. According to um, The Lost Girls, A True Story of the Cleveland Abductions and Incredible Rescue of Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, and Gina De Jesus by John Glatt, her boyfriend was stopped a lot in the years following because he still remained a suspect. Um, Flyers were sent out by Gina's family and friends, and there was a flyer put up right outside of Ariel's home. He also was involved with the search. Of course, they obviously put themselves into the investigation. Exactly. But I bet he loved seeing the the poster outside his door. I bet he got off so hard on that right so now the fbi is involved and for some reason it's at this point ariel thought he was fucked um so he wrote a confession letter allegedly planning to kill himself and this whole note was just a list of excuses on how he was abused as a child and he was messed up and blamed the girls for their kidnapping because they willingly got into his car yeah, if I'm in a car accident, it's my fault, like, that I got hit by a car. I'm sorry. Right. So, Special Agent Robert Hawk was in charge of Amanda's case and also the lead of Gina's case, like I said before. Um, her parents, Nancy and Felix, had a command center in their house and sent out flyers and just nonstop searching themselves. Like, mm-hmm. literally sleep was the absolute last thing on their mind. And one day Ariel went to their home and um, hugged them saying how sorry he wasn't offered to help pass out flyers. So on Friday, April 9th, the day after Gina's 15th birthday, an anonymous tip came in and said to look into Fernando Collin. Do you remember him? Can you tell me again? Fernando is the security card dating, or I don't know if he's married now at this point, but dating Ariel's ex-girlfriend. Oh, Nilda. Gotcha. 
So he was picked up and interviewed for hours and he passed a polygraph test. His car was forensically searched. Um, and on his way home, Fernando said, quote, I told them to investigate Ariel Castro, end quote, to whom they ignored and never questioned. But the FBI denies that this conversation ever happened, which. Mm, mm. Yeah. So and if I was Fernando, that's his name. Fernando Colin. Yeah. If I was Fernando, I'd be like, because. Um, Ariel does this all the time, right? Like, shitting on him because he wants um, her back. I'd yeah, like, remember he tried to, like, run him over. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, was the anonymous tip from Ariel? I'd be like, you should go check him out because he obviously framed for this. Because also, where is he putting these girls? He lives with, like, whatever her name is. Yeah, he's got all, what is that, five of Ariel's yeah. kids? So whatever but Gina was in the house for two weeks before Michelle ever met her and Ariel pretended that Gina was his daughter even though Ariel was the one that gave fucking TV and she watched everything fold out on the news Ariel put Michelle and Gina in the bathroom together saying Gina's gonna do your hair and so she did I don't know why and the sec and for a second, Ariel went to the kitchen and Michelle whispered to Gina saying, I know who you are. You're Gina. You're not his daughter. But don't tell him I know who you are because I don't know if he's going to get pissed if I know. Yeah. And when I get closer to you, I'll give you tips on how to survive him. And she said she felt like she needed to take care of Gina. Yeah. I just fucking love him. Michelle, man. Yes. So when Gina was done, Michelle was like, you did such a good job. It looks really pretty. Like just being very nice and Mm -hmm. saying that she loved her hair. And Ariel got pissed. Don't know why. So he put Gina in the upstairs bedroom after being in the basement and hung the missing poster of herself in the room. And she was chained to the opposite side of the room. So literally she was just in a room staring at her missing person flyer fuck him right and just like knowing her family is trying everything to find her but honestly like that just gives them hope like right why would you do that but also to mentally toy with them you know also true but i'm like i just have to fucking hold out my family's gonna fucking find me like i can fucking do this like and you have to keep in mind like Gina has the mental yeah like she's mentally a nine or ten year old like what it's like straight up Doherty vibes yes yes 100% so um he eventually brought Gina to the same room with Michelle padlocking them together and Michelle said that they really bonded together and I mean like like yeah. Obviously, you guys are both going through the same thing. And especially I, having someone to talk to. Yes. And I bet Michelle was like this was her Joey. You know, she was like I can't take care of my boy. I'm going to take care of her. She just wanted to take care of yeah. something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she had 
her son taken away, her dog taken away. Like, yeah. she's been through so much. So, um, all of them only had, like, a pot to use mm-hmm. as, like, a toilet. And Ariel would empty it every once in a while. Like, it would overflow. And Ugh. the pink room got so dirty and disgusting that Gina and Michelle both had bed sores. Oh. So, when Ariel would come in to rape either one of them, Michelle and Gina would hold each other's hands, like, to comfort each other while the assault was happening. Yeah. Gina was, like, a younger sister to Michelle, so when he would come in to attack Gina, Michelle would try to protect her, saying, like, take me instead, take me instead, and this would only piss off Ariel. Um, Ariel ended up giving all of the girls journals, and Amanda's had the most detailed records over everything and she had multiple journals mm-hmm. so she had one that was called the blue journal which talked about the sexual assaults and rapes in detail and another was called miss shady handcrafted items mm-hmm. and these were like personal drawings and writings um that she did and the other one was a black journal entitled love and she would write so she wrote letters to her mom every day but also i don't know why he gave them journals because if for like for some reason more evidence he he gets caught it's literally black and white documented like but anyway he's an idiot it's annoying that he got away with it for this long because he really shouldn't. Like, yeah. if those police officers didn't walk away. Like, Cleveland police really fucked up on this one. So, Ariel started calling Amanda his wife and began taking Gina and Michelle outside to rape them. Like, on tarps or, like, against his car. And they thought that this was some twisted way to keep what was going on out of the house Mm -hmm. like since he was quote-unquote married to Amanda so like Uh. she wouldn't somehow know which is like I feel like you like he doesn't understand what marriage is yeah but on Wednesday November 17th 2004 Luana Miller Amanda's mother went on the Montel Williams show And they brought in psychic Sylvia Brown to tell her what happened to Amanda. So when her mom asked if she would ever see her again, Sylvia said, quote, see, I hate this when they're in water. I just hate this. She's not alive, honey. And I'll tell you why. Your daughter is not the type to have checked in with you if she was alive. But I'm sorry, they didn't find the jacket because there was DNA on it. So, like, fuck Sylvia Brown. Yeah, seriously. Like, to tell her mom that, nope, she's dead. And uh, I hate it when they're in water. Yeah. You are talking to a grieving mother. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Did the mom keep, like, up the search anyway? Oh, yeah, she did. But, like, she's sobbing on TV. Like, it's obnoxious. Like, wow, I'm so glad you got all those ratings. Right? So, now, in late October... Oh, wait. I think I should go back and preface. So, like, 
she said that there was multiple guys that kidnapped her and her jacket ended up in a dumpster and she's in water that whole bit so in late october gina's parents went on the murray povich show Mari, the Mari show and brought in long island medium jeffrey wands and he said that gina was kidnapped by a sexual predator and he had spoken to gina several times Gina was still alive, and the predator knew the area she disappeared in very well. So, this is where he went downhill. He said this guy was black, with mm-hmm. facial hair in his late 20s, early 30s, around five foot nine, which is, like, totally the opposite of Ariel. Yeah. So, April 2005 the FBI released a sketch of a person who was seen lurking around Gina's school around the time she disappeared. And it looked exactly like Ariel. That's because it was. Yeah. So Ariel later said that he was watching and he was watching all three girls before abducting them, which is weird. Well, it also makes sense that he was at the dollar general Yeah. When Michelle was there. But, however, he originally meant to kidnap another girl who looked like Gina, but ended up still going with it anyways. Yeah. So, on April 21st, 2005, which was the second anniversary of Amanda's kidnapping, her mom led a televised vigil where they were singing happy birthday to her. And Ariel fucking made them watch it and served cake to celebrate from there he served cake on each of the anniversaries of their kidnapping he's so fucking twisted like twisted isn't even the word for it demented i'm just like thinking just he probably actually thinks like so one he's either doing it to torment them or two he thinks it's, like, a good, like, a happy thing. And he's like, hey, this is the time that, like, you became mine. Let's celebrate it. Right? It's either one or two ways. Yeah. So, again, with the mind games, he started raping and beating all of them in front of each other. And he would pretend to leave and listen to hear if any of them would try to escape. And if they did, he would brutally beat them and then chaining them to the pool in the basement He would starve them of food and water for days. And he would take their bucket that they used as a toilet away. He would lock them in the basement in the winter. Or he would lock them in the blistering attic in the summer. Why? And have them play Russian roulette with him and each other. The fuck? Right? And he would get, like, super pissed if they would, like what is that, pull the trigger with him? And it's like, bitch, you fucking told me to. Yeah. So, this is so sad. On March 2006, Amanda's mother passed away from heart failure. And everyone who knew her said she died of a broken heart. And Amanda found this out because Michelle and Gina found this out while watching the news 
And when Michelle saw Amanda, she said, I'm so sorry for your loss. And Amanda was like confused. And Michelle said, I didn't want her to like find out any other way. True. And she said, Amanda just sat and sobbed. Like they could hear her from another room. So shortly after this, Amanda became pregnant and Ariel was pleased. Well, I mean, it's his wife. Yeah. Right. So Ariel started treating Michelle even worse. She got food once a day, a shower once a week and just daily beating. So at this point, he's letting them shower. But again, it's still always with him. Yeah. So when they would shower with him, he would say, "Okay, now you owe me. Like, he's doing them some sort of fucking favor. Yeah. And then when he would rape them, he would throw money at them. Like, they'd ask, like, when they'd ask for something. Yeah. He'd be like, cool, how are you going to pay for it? But, like, when he'd rape them, he'd throw money at them. Like, it's a transaction. It's like. No. Bitch, no. Even sex workers, it's like a consensual. Yeah. Thing. So one day he brought his toddler grandson over to his house, which was the daughter of his oldest, Angie, and said he wants to see upstairs so they have to hide their chains so, like, they don't scare him. Like, he went up and told the girls this. And when he walked in, he burst into tears asking for his mom. Like, the girls were all sitting there, like, hiding their chains. Like, he said, and they were like, hi, like... Yeah. Being nice, and this kid was just terrified. So, a few weeks later, Angie and Emily came to his house because um, this little boy kept saying, like, there's women up there. Yeah. Like, there's girls up there or something. He said something. And with them was Angie's husband and Emily's boyfriend. Okay. So, before they got there, they told... Ariel that they were on their way. Why? So Ariel unchained all of them and took them to the basement, chaining them all to the pool, putting dirty socks in their mouths, duct taping their heads, and said, if they say anything, he'd shoot all of them. And Michelle said that while they were down there, um, she heard someone demanding Ariel to unlock the basement door. And that one of them said, quote, they're down there I hear music end quote because he was blasting salsa music but Ariel wouldn't let them down there saying that it was flooded and it was under construction and that it was very dangerous and he's not letting anyone down there so um once they left he fed them some rotting food and then left them down in the basement chained to the pool for three weeks And he would take one of them up to rape them and back down and feeding them, like, whenever he felt like it, I guess. But how, like, okay, so they notified him when they were on their way. How did he have enough time to put them all down there, chain them up and do this, and make, like, that there's no evidence of people have been up there? Right? That's my question, because that mattress upstairs? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if they were used to his house being dirty. I don't know. But um, then after that three weeks, he chained them in his van 
in the garage in the middle of summer with all the windows rolled up and locked. And he left them in there for five days. And they all said they all passed out multiple times, like in and out of consciousness. Like, I'm shocked they didn't die. Yeah. So in December that year, Michelle got pregnant for a fourth time. And Ariel stopped feeding her, only giving her soda. So for three weeks, she struggled with morning sickness and Ariel was pissed and would beat her until she miscarried. Between this and the last miscarriage, um, Michelle goes into more detail about them. But one, this was all in the book. And two, Morbid covered this. So Elena was like, I'm not getting into it. So I didn't have time to read the book. So I'm not getting into it. But I don't think anyone really wants to know the specifics of what happened. Yeah. But she said that the last two were the absolute worst. I mean, it's tragic in itself. Yeah. But also the fact that he's beating her until she miscarries is yeah. like, I, I just, I cannot. So on Christmas Day, Amanda went into labor and delivered the child in the house. Ariel wouldn't let her go to like a hospital or anything. Obviously, She's Amanda Berry. If she goes to the hospital, they're all going to be like, we fucking found her. Yeah. So, um, Michelle was forced to deliver the baby. Like, Ariel made her deliver the baby. And when the baby was born, it was blue. And Ariel started screaming at her that if the baby died, it was her fault and that he will kill her. And... Michelle has no idea what she's doing or what to do. So she starts giving the baby CPR. And with Ariel screaming at her that he's going to murder her, she's just, like, trying to figure out what to do. And all of a sudden, the baby starts crying. Oh, good. So Amanda named... um, uh, Amanda had a baby girl named Jocelyn. And Ariel was super involved with the baby. Like... Um, he would always refer to the baby as his girlfriend's baby, um, taking the baby out and introducing her to everyone. Eventually, Ariel made the girls change their names around Jocelyn because he was afraid that she would tip someone off. You know what I mean? Uh, like saying Gina and Amanda. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Michelle changed her name to Juju and um, Gina was Chelsea. I feel like I would change my name to something that, like, my family called me and, like, only my family. So then this little baby is going out there saying this name and everyone's like, huh, that sounds like this, you know? Right. I have a pretty generic name. So, Megs, you kind of get what my full name is. (laughs) So, um, Ariel took Amanda's chains off because he didn't want Jocelyn to be scared. And the girls said he never hurt Jocelyn. However, one time Jocelyn had a nightmare and was crying. Ariel ended up running upstairs, screaming at Amanda, like saying, like, shut her up, shut her up. And when Amanda couldn't, like, comfort her or, like, get her to stop crying, he put his hand over Jocelyn's face until she stopped crying, like, covering, like, smothering her, basically. But, like she was fine 
I mean, still not what you do, but go off. So Gina and Michelle uh, would make baby clothes out of their clothes for Jocelyn. And at one point, Ariel bought them a sewing kit. So on 4 p.m. April 3rd, Ariel made an illegal U-turn while driving a bus full of children outside of Robinson, Robinson G. Jones Elementary School in front of teachers and parents who reported him to the Cleveland School District immediately. Driving. Obviously. These fuckers and driving. Right? So a disciplinary hearing two weeks later was held, and what did he get? He got 60 days unpaid suspension for Love two that. charges for two charges of disregard disregarding passenger safety and negligence. Love that. He just keeps getting slaps on the wrist. Like yeah. So, in November of 2010, a neighbor heard banging coming from Ariel's home, and this person said that they saw a woman in the attic with a baby. And Michelle later said it was her trying to get their attention, so the lady called the police. Mm-hmm. And they knocked on the door and then left when no one answered. Like, Because that's why? just what you do. Like, why? I don't know. It, it makes me so irritated. So then another neighbor, Juan Perez, was with his sister in his basement, and they heard screaming coming from Ariel's basement. And it was, like, that kind of screaming that you're, like, that's not right. Yeah. And um, they called the police. And they came. They knocked on the door. And no one answered, so they left. Like, if I was those neighbors, I'd be pissed off. I'd be like, hey, I fucking called you. Are you going to fucking do your job? Right. So, in November, a neighbor, Elise Clintron, Clintron, I don't know, was walking home late one night and saw a little girl in the window uh, and saw a little girl in the window of Ariel's home. And she said she just had this really odd feeling about it. Mm -hmm. And when she got home, she told her brother, whose name was Lugo, um, to go double check and knock on the door because she was worried. Mm -hmm. So he went over and was like, I'm going to call the cops. Like, yes. He saw, like, the house and what condition it was in. He was like, I'm calling the cops. They came a half hour later, knocked on the door for about five minutes, and then left again. Like, so then, or why didn't the police go, hey, maybe let's call child services? Like, right? do fucking anything. Like, right? Like, I'm sorry. If it was one time, it's like, oh, okay, we'll, like, we'll let it slide. But... When they fucking leave after doing nothing, after complaint, after complaint, after complaint about screaming, babies, bad condition. Like, I'm sorry. Fuck you. Right. At that point. So, a few weeks later, um, Lugo's niece, Nina, said that she saw a naked woman wearing a dog collar in the backyard. And people from a close retirement home who had a view into Ariel's backyard reported seeing three naked women on all fours with collars and chained up. Police were called, but never fucking went. Are you kidding? I wish I was. (laughs) I don't care how busy your town is or whatever. You have to have a record of all this shit. And that sounds like a pretty fucking serious thing. Maybe she fucking go. 
I mean, like I said, if you're into that shit, you do you. Don't do it fucking outside of your four walls. Here, along with all the other complaints, mm, I don't know if that's, uh, you know, consensual. Right? But I mean, like, the people from the retirement home probably didn't know about the other call. But But the cops should have. Right? Like, if you're getting that many calls for the same place, something's up. Yep. So, at this point, Michelle got pregnant for a fifth time. And she's deathly allergic to mustard. Oh. And Ariel knew this from bringing her McDonald's. And he forced her to have a hot dog with mustard on it. And she went into anaphylactic shock on the mattress um, next to Gina. And somehow Gina was able to nurse her back to health after two weeks. um, Saying, like, Michelle was swollen and she definitely crossed over at one point. But Gina kept telling Michelle, like, you can't leave. Think of Joey. You need to be here for him. And Michelle said, like, without Gina, she would have died. Yeah. Which is, like, how do you come back from anaphylactic shock? I don't like, know. I, I didn't think your body could, like, kind of, like, reverse itself. I didn't think so either. But. But also, another, going back to the fucking cops, you know that they're searching for these two, like, two girls. And then you just magically another coincidence there are three naked women chained outside right they're screaming around the same general area that these two women two girls went missing hmm i think y'all should be fucking fired for real like can you literally arrest an entire police department yeah and that's what um elena or not elena it was like ash said on their podcast um she was like how do you sue an entire police department so i'm not taking that quote i wanted to give credit because yeah. <laughs> i thought it was funny because like seriously like like seriously. you're bad at your fucking jobs like right even disregarding like this i'm not even talking about like the all like the current atmosphere of the world y'all <laughs> should be fucking fired i'm fucking sorry oh without a doubt so Michelle ended up making it three months into her pregnancy. Like, she still was pregnant after all of that. Um, And uh, Ariel had thrown her down a flight of stairs and beat her until she miscarried. And Like, I don't understand. And if I was her, I would be like, why can she have a baby and I can't? Right. While she was dealing with the miscarriage, like, in the process, he was blasting salsa music. Like, he just kept blasting salsa music. Like, ugh. Anyway. Um, in the summer of 2012, Gina and Michelle's mattress got bed, bed bugs. Mm. And... They were covered in, like, bug bites. So, Ariel put a plastic sheet down on it, but obviously it didn't help or do anything. Yeah. So, that summer, Michelle talks in her book how Ariel let Gina read the newspaper, and Gina saw a dress that she thought Michelle would really like, and she begged Ariel 
to buy it using the money that he would throw at her after raping her. Yeah. And Michelle wore this dress all the time. She loved it. And it's just like, I love seeing the girls like kind of come in yeah. together kind of thing. Like you have to, at, like going through something like this. Yeah. So just after 4 p.m., May 6th, 2013, Jocelyn said, Daddy's gone to Grandma's house. Like, his car's not here. And she goes into her mom's room, Amanda, and said, Daddy told me to come up here and stay. So initially, no one did anything. But at some point, Amanda peeked outside and saw that his car was actually gone. Yeah. And then she realized her door wasn't locked because Jocelyn just came in. Yeah. So she opens the door and goes downstairs and tries the front door and finds that it's unlocked. So she takes a breath and opens it to find another door that was locked by a chain on the outside, like padlocked. And she sees someone through the glass in the door. Uh-huh. Now, across the street is Aurora Marty and her two other neighbors sitting on their porch. So Amanda starts pounding and screaming, yeah. like, help me. I'm Amanda Berry. Help me. Help me. Like, yeah. screaming. Like, she's like, I got to do it. Like, it's now or never. Mm-hmm. And while she did this... She stuck her head between the door and the frame. And like I said, it was locked on the outside from like a chain. So like it was slightly open. Mm -hmm. And um, she like stuck her hand out, was waving, like screaming, like, help me, help me. Um, So they came over Mm -hmm. and they couldn't get the door open. The one guy was like, try breaking the glass and it wouldn't break. So another neighbor named Angel Cadera with another man named Charles Ramsey said, kick the panel of the door, like at the bottom, it's like weaker or yeah. it's like not as strong as the others, I guess. And after a few kicks, the frame bends and Amanda manages to crawl out and reaches in to pull Jocelyn out and they run across the street. And call 911. So her 911 call said, like, help me. I'm Amanda Berry. And dispatch asked, like, do you need police, fire, or ambulance? And she said, I need police. Yeah. And they asked, like, what's going on there? And she said, I've been kidnapped. I've been missing for 10 years. I'm here. I'm free now. Yeah. And, oh, I'm getting goosebumps. I know. (laughs) So (laughs) Charles Ramsey would be me in this situation. I'm not going to fucking lie. He also calls 911. And this is his his 911 call. Hey, check this out. I just came from McDonald's, right? I'm on the porch eating my food, right? This broad is trying to break out of the fucking house next to me. And she's like, this motherfucker done kidnapped me and my daughter. And we've been in this bitch. She said her name's, like, Linda Barry or some shit. I don't know who the fuck that is. I just moved here, bro. <laughs> like. But at least he called the cops. Literally did more than them. Like. <laughs> right? Like, oh, my God. I just love the, 
I just came back from McDonald's yeah. and I'm eating my food, right? <laughs> Your voice just made me think of banana bread at work, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's that's probably the best call that I've ever heard. Yeah. I loved it. So dispatcher asked like if she needs an ambulance Mm -hmm. like this is a separate dispatcher and I don't know why none of them are like oh Amanda Berry like yeah and he said she needs everything she's in a panic bro I think she'd been kidnapped so put yourself in her shoes like we love Charles Ramsey yes he's if someone tells you they're kidnapped, fucking send everyone. Fucking send right? everyone. Like, uh-huh. Don't ever. Oh, okay. Okay, ready? And uh-huh. this is why Ohio is the fucking worst state. <laughs> well, that and the Cleveland Browns, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, so Ohio just, Ohio just living up to its worst state name, you know. <laughs> Not letting us down. Hey, if you're from Ohio, we think you're cool, though. Yeah, but we... Mm, debatable. <laughs> uh, I need an interview with you before, yeah. I, before I concur. <laughs> right. So, at 5.54 p.m., Cleveland police officers arrive... Open the door and knock and then leave. He didn't answer the phone. I mean, he didn't answer the door. <laughs> they arrive. Um, they ask her if anyone else is in the house, thinking they would get, like, the name of the abductor. Yeah. She's like, yeah, Gina Jesus and Michelle Knight. And they were like, fuck. Like, not only did they find a massive missing person, but Gina was also another huge, ma- like, missing person. Yeah. Like, in the media. But... She also said that Ariel was like around um, driving a nineteen, a blue nineteen ninety three Mazda Miata, mm-hmm. and so they sent out an APB at five fifty five p.m. for the vehicle, and orders were to grab him immediately when spotted. So from Gina and Michelle's side, they're still in the house, and they heard some of the commotion, but they thought it was another one of his tricks. Yeah. And then they heard the police pounding on the door, and they thought someone was breaking in. And Michelle said, after everything, she's like, I'm not dying this way. Yeah. (laughs) So they hid. And Gina said she wanted to say something, and Michelle was like, anyone can say that they're the police. But when they saw the uniforms, Gina came out of hiding sobbing and Michelle ran out and jumped into the arms of the female officer and held her saying don't put me down oh my god I know and at 6.04pm Ariel was spotted at McDonald's with of course right in a car with his younger brother O'Neal and when asked for ID they did and arrested both of them so once at the station, police brought um, his other brother, Pedro, into the Cleveland County Jail, and they were all booked. So the brothers said that Ariel was always secretive, and they were like, we've been to the house, but he won't let us leave the kitchen. And his own son, Anthony, even said that Ariel asked a few weeks before, like, quote, do you think Amanda Berry is still alive? And his son said, like, 
he didn't think so. And Ariel was like, no, you don't think so? And his son was like, this was very odd. And he was like, looking back, he was like, yeah, the fuck? So on July 26th, 2013, Ariel Castro pleaded guilty to 937 crimes, including assault, rape, and murder. The murder charge was for purposely and with prior calculation and design causing the unlawful termination of another's pregnancy. Yes. Um, He got life in prison without parole plus a thousand years. Good. So those counts included 177 counts of kidnapping, um, 139 counts of rape, seven counts of gross sexual imposition, three counts of felonious assault, and one count of possession of criminal tolls. So one month later, on September 3rd, 2013, he killed himself. Piece of fucking shit. Right? In the Correctional Reception Center in Orion, Ohio, by hanging himself with a bedsheet. Now, this was allegedly due to autoerotic asphyxiation, Mm. but we don't know for sure. But um, he was found with his pants down. However, there were reports from other inmates saying that he lost a ton of weight while he was in there. Go figure, he didn't have his fucking McDonald's. Yeah. And um, he was constantly losing his pants. Like, they were always falling down and he never wore underwear. Oh. So that would make sense. And that's like, gross. What a fucking coward. Right? So on August 7, 2013, the House of Horrors was torn down. Uh, Michelle, since then, has written two books. Um, Finding Me, A Decade of Darkness, A Life Reclaimed. And it's a memoir of the Cleveland kidnappings. And Life After Darkness, Finding Healing and Happiness After the Cleveland Kidnappings. She changed her name to Lily, and, like, you can look up, like, her full name, but yes. I don't feel like it's necessary to give out her full name. No. Um, and she is married. They foster shelter animals together. Uh, she runs a foundation called Lily's Ray of Hope, which is a place to aid and help women who have dealt with abuse and trauma. I love her so much. Right. So, when she was rescued, she went straight to the hospital for a week. Um, One of the first things she said was, where's Joey? Can I see Joey? And she said she wrote letters and drew pictures to him every day being inside. And that he was what got her through everything, even through her darkest moments. And her lawyer said, it's been 11 years and he's been adopted by his foster family. He's like, and they're amazing. And she asked, um, will I ever see him again? And the lawyer said, I don't know, because the family has every right to say no. Yeah. So when they reached out to the family, they said, no, they don't want her to have contact with him. He was 13 now and said that they needed to think of him and what's best for him. And he needs a stable home. And Michelle said she understood why. Like, I'm getting goosebumps. Like, Like, I could not. (laughs) She's just so amazing because she was like, yeah, you know, that's the best thing for him. I get it. Yeah. 
And especially being 13, like that, even if I found out now that my mom was kidnapped and like just getting in with her, I don't know how mentally like to handle that. Yeah. You know, um, but most of all, like she was so glad that he had a family and was taken care of, which I think really gave her the closure that she needed. Yeah. Um, she wrote them a late. She wrote the parents a letter thanking them for everything and that she understood their decision, but she asked for one thing, and that was pictures of him growing up, and they did and continue to give her updates and pictures. Good. They said eventually. It's not completely out of the question for her to meet him, mm-hmm. but just right now he's still young. Yeah. So that makes my heart happy. I know. Sad but happy because I really want her to like meet him and I feel like when he's older, yeah. Like and he finds out he'll know how hard she fought to keep him. Oh yeah. And it's not like one of those situations where, oh, my mom left. She didn't care about me. It's yeah. like, no, your mom fought for you. Yeah. Like, she was abducted. Oh, I don't know if you would want to tell him this, but, like, she was literally on her way to get him back in her life when this happened. I feel like when he's old enough and, like, because me, like, I would look up everything. He'll know. Yeah. He'll know. But I just, like... Because he could could either be like, oh my god, it's my fault. Like, she was on the way to get me. Or he could just take the positive spin. Or he could think both things, you know? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't his fault to begin with. Oh, I know. child services, so, like, you really should be blaming child services who wouldn't come and fucking pick her up. Yeah. But um, she doesn't know his name. She doesn't know if he's still named Joey, like... So she doesn't really, she doesn't have really any way to contact him. Um, but she knows he's with a loving family and he had a childhood and that's all she wanted for him. Yeah. So now Amanda Berry and Jocelyn are thriving. Amanda says that she resembles Ariel a lot, but she knew when Jocelyn was born that she was hers. Yeah. Like she was hers. So, Jocelyn's a teenager now. Um, In 2017, Amanda joined the Fox 8 Cleveland News team, hosting a segment called Missing. In 2018, Amanda and Gina co-authored a book called Hope, a Memoir of Survival in Cleveland. And the book hit number one on the New York bestsellers list. Love that Gina co-founded the Cleveland Family Center for Missing Children and Adults. So I went on the website to look it up, and the website is clevelandmissing.org, and their mission is to deter abductions, exploitations, and trafficking of all ages and genders, establish a place for families and survivors to come for support and resources, provide prevention, training, to the community and raise awareness to create a safe and secure community for all citizens. And hopefully that includes, hopefully that includes training fucking officers. Right. Yeah. Just think like how none of this probably would have happened if they went and actually went in the first time. 
I know. And like, yeah, you know, not really their fault because it's him. He's making decisions. He's the one doing this. But you didn't fucking help. All those times. All those times that you failed those women. Right. And I'm sure, I hope, that after finding that out, they felt like shit. I'm sure yes. they did. Because and hindsight's hope- twenty twenty. And I hope they change their fucking policies. That you don't just fucking walk away. I'm sure they did. Because that was in 2012. That's not even that long ago. No, but with everything going on with the police, you know, I hope, I would hope so. Wow. I know. And that is the House of Horrors. It's, I just, I can't. It's just a whole different level of fuckery. So, okay, so Michelle was there 11 years. Mm-hmm. How long were the other two there? So Michelle is eleven years, and then Amanda was about ten, eight months from then. Um, and then Gina was nine ish. Ugh. I know. That's a decade. Yeah. A decade. Like, I don't even remember how old I was. Well, I mean, obviously a decade ago I was fourteen, but like yeah. That's, that'd be literally her. Because, right, she was abducted right before she was 15. And Holy then... shit! <laughs> yeah, you're right! Ooh, that was weird. So, like, just oh. think about all the shit you've done, but instead you're just locked away. Uh-uh. Alright, that was a... That was a... A doozy. Yeah. yeah. That was a rough one. And like that I was. said, I needed to break it off into segments, and you were like, Let's do today. And I was like, I'm not ready. (laughs) No, that was no words. No words. Well, I mean, y'all heard my words. (laughs) Jaden was very expressive of her words. Literally, it's funny because before we started recording, Megan told me how her thing was really long. And I was like, okay, I just like won't interject a lot like how I normally do. (laughs) And then JK... JK, LOL. I mean, to be fair, I did have 42 pages of notes. You're right. And it was pretty, like, emotion-invoking. So, can you blame me for getting real riled up? But I think we both deserve, like, a good meal out. Not McDonald's or Wendy's. No. (laughs) I can never eat McDonald's anymore. I could. I that's could. Tyler in the back in the background <laughs> agreeing even though he doesn't know why we're saying he has no McDonald's. idea what we just talked about <laughs> for the last what two hours or more I don't even know I think it's oh my god my case is so long <laughs> but good yeah. things quick good thing go good thing um I'm getting a perm tomorrow interesting right okay i want to see what the curly girl or curly hair life curly hair girl life whatever it's called is all about but honestly right around my face is naturally like spiral curls Mm. and the back of my head is pin straight gotcha so i'm like "Mm, i want to have an all over like so when i get out of the shower all i have to do is just put product in and then let it go and then leave yeah so it's not going to be 
I'm literally going to ask them to do, like, the biggest barrels they can. Like, I am terrified that my hair is going to look like ramen. So, we're going to see how that goes. I was going to say, when I think of perms, I think of, like, the tight ass. Right. Super tight curls. Like, the O.J. Simpson um, prosecutor curls. (laughs) Yes. So, I I straight up told her, I was like, I don't want my hair to look like ramen. She was like, no, we have different size barrels. Like, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my mom used to get perms and it wasn't those tight ass ringlets so you'll be perms okay. are coming back man they are coming back. coming back however my hairstylist was like you know i'm gonna have to brush up because i've only done male perms for like ever mm. apparently that's in style now is a lot of like high school boys are getting perms yeah do that messy curly like yeah fuck boy look (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because Landon already has like super nice curls like Mm -hmm. which is funny because me and my sisters we all have straight hair and he's the only one who's got he's had curls his whole life and they're like these beautiful like ringlet curls oh he's so cute and handsome I love him (laughs) if he listens to this point props to anyone listening to this point but like he's gonna be like Jaden shut the fuck up I know Nah, he knows. He's my little man. Love that. <laughs> How about you? Um, I started a new book series. I'm digging it. Woo! Yeah, I'm on book number two. This is one. So on Saturday, I stayed up until 4 a.m. reading. I had therapy at nine, but my body's anxiety is like, Jaden, you don't miss it. Don't miss it. So I woke up at eight. I saw myself at four hours. Then after therapy, I had to drive home. So hour yes. and a half, family reunion. And then I was coming home that day. But thankfully, Landon was coming back. So he drove because he's got his permit. Um, there you go. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, yeah, you drive for me. But he yeah, offered so. to drive when I went up. And oh, like yeah. the next morning, I was like, I'm going to be so hungover. He's like, I'll drive. I was like, I might need you to. <laughs> I know he was telling me that, too, whenever he was driving up. He was like, yeah. Megan, Megan was like, hey, you can drive if I'm too hungover. <laughs> but, but yeah, so. I trust him. I really like the book. That was the whole point because I stayed up until 4 fucking a.m. Yeah. But, yeah. I wish I could get into books. I just, I can't get myself to keep, mm. uh, like, hold my attention. Well, you, know? you just have to, I mean, you can take three years to read the book. Who cares? Like, True. just take it in increments, you know? I'm on book talk so I was like going in trying to like find the one so the kind of books I like will like show up on my for you page yeah so it's like slowly doing that but I'm like because I go through like I'm super into reading and then I'm like super into Netflix and like the two things never like go at the same time I literally will like alternate like mine is between like Netflix or whatever streaming service I'm using uh YouTube or podcasts like anything like I always have it on in the background for me to listen to yeah it's just me sitting there and reading I don't know got you I just can't get into it ever like I used to listen to my favorite murder all the time and then we started this and I literally can't I don't listen anymore oh I've been listening (laughs) I'm just like Mm. oh I gotta do my research I'm just gonna listen to music, or I'm on an audible kick again, like listen yeah. to audiobooks. But, but yeah, let's wrap this up.
but keep in mind every Tuesday, hopefully we can get to it. Yeah. Um, so this was supposed to be our ABC murder case. We pushed it back because I already was like researching and the just time didn't work out. So And we forgot that it was number twenty. This twenty? Yes, this is twenty. Can you believe that? No. Twenty episodes. But um we'll be doing that next week, so stay tuned. See if you can guess what C is. See if you can guess what C is. I love that. (laughs) All right. Well, follow us on Instagram if you haven't. Um, A little thing called murder. Twitter is ALTC murder. Um, Gmail at um, a little thing called murder at gmail.com. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts because we're the bomb.com. And... Oh my God. <laughs> it's funny that you use that phrase because you're over here at gmail.com and this one as the bomb.com. <laughs> Did I you. do that on purpose? We may never know. <laughs> but also, I just want to again say how proud I am of you, of your like. Now you're like, this is it, this is it, this is it. And before you we, we were like, um, what are we in here? A-L-T-C-B-G murder. And you were like, where did the G come from? <laughs> you're right. That was a good one. But... Oh, man. Right. Yeah, I think I got it down. We've been saying it 20 times now. Well, times. 19, because we didn't know first episode. You're right. Only took us 19 times. Just kidding. You've been good for a few times. I just I have to retell you. <laughs> I, think, I think I've been good for about 10 yeah <laughs> maybe in there <laughs> but you guys have a wonderful week we will see you next week and um don't forget to trust your gut because it's better to be fucking safe than fucking sorry unless an adult asks for help then yes <laughs> i mean trust your gut if it's saying don't fucking help yeah but if it's saying help don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right We love you guys, and have a great one. Yeah, bye. Bye.